Welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove with the Bean Team, host of Business Matters, and we're back for another exciting episode. If you are joining us for this part of the show, we are on the pre-roll. This is heard on Apple Podcast and YouTube. So thank you for joining us. Uh, like all of our shows, we try to bring knowledge and nuggets of knowledge for those that are listening, the business owners, those that run businesses. And today we have a unique experience. We have Alice Lee Stansberry. Alice Lee, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for asking. This is going to be a great show. Today we are talking about the nonprofit world. So not businesses that are not profitable. We're talking about <laughs> businesses. They are businesses. They the, absolutely are. The nonprofits out there. So those those businesses, the 501c3 entities, those that are set up for a purpose that is uh, that helps the, the general community, that has a nonprofit purpose that has been designated by the IRS as a legal um, nonprofit entity under the 501c3 designation. So we are going to talk about that. And this is um, in Tallahassee, Florida. This is a, a big part of the community here, like it is most communities. So, um, Alice Lee, tell us a little bit about your background and why. <laughs> Tell, tell us how you're the expert in the nonprofit world. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, thanks thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. And I love the opportunity to talk about the nonprofit sector. It's where I've done all of my work, my whole career, 30-plus uh, years, either in the trenches uh, as a staff person, raising money, uh, working with a local board, working for a local board, as well as helping to found a nonprofit. So I was involved in that. I've also served as a board member, and I've been chair of a board. And now as a consultant, uh, I work closely with boards, board chairs, executive directors, and CEOs to help them uh, guide their organization and lead their organization to accomplish their mission. So it's definitely uh, my life's work and, yeah. and a passion. Well, that, your experience is, is well known and... It is. Um, you must have got an early start if you've been doing that for thirty years. You must yeah, have got oh, yes. started like at uh, started five when years I was, old. Oh yeah, well, I was going to say twelve, but I appreciate. Yeah, five, years, appreciate five. years old. So um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's good to have you here because it is. I think most of us that are listening have been involved in nonprofits as mm -hmm. uh, either been a part of it, had uh, family members that were part of organizations, or we've served as board members. Mm -hmm. uh, we're aware of those uh, people out there in the community that are collecting money or that are trying to get contributions for their cause or their organization. So right. I think this is uh, this really provides a good insight to uh, how the boards work, how the nonprofits work, and, and some of the, I guess, some of the back back office part of of nonprofits so mm -hmm. not the dirty underside just the underside of how these nonprofits work right so i, I think, think you're right i think a lot of people have either served on boards or they volunteered with an organization that they know is governed by a board or they are donors uh, and contributors and supporters uh, either personally or through their business so i think a lot of people have uh, some knowledge of nonprofit some experience um, but they may or may not kind of know some of the in-depth things right. that you're referring to yeah, yeah and we see i think it's going to be important because you've got a lot of uh experience and you've touched a lot of of uh organizations in in your career is as we go through the show uh talk about some of those those organizations that are that are an important fabric in our community because mm -hmm. they do play an important part of the community it's not just 
that they're an organization out there and they're collecting money. They're doing it for a reason. And, uh, and many, many times, most of those, they're helping the community. They're he- helping Absolutely. people that need help. Absolutely. So that's very important. It is. And I think Tallahassee uh, has a very uh, diverse and it actually has a very large nonprofit sector. Uh, and there are, I mean, there's countless organizations that are doing good work, important work, either on the health and human services side of things, also um, healthcare and education and arts and culture and environment and animal welfare. I mean, the, the nonprofit sector is a lot like the business community. It's, it's very diverse. And um, I think Tallahassee and the Big Bend is, is fortunate to have uh, a pretty strong nonprofit, nonprofit sector. Well, I think it's. Uh, I think that really sets up the show. So let's let's talk about these things. Let's talk about the nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some examples of some of the organizations that's included in that mm-hmm. that we may know just as a casual uh, resident of right. Tallahassee. <clears throat> so let's ta- let's let's leave that for the show, and we'll go through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's talk about. I think board governance. Let's let's touch on that as well in the show because I think that is. That's really important that we, we, a lot of us serve as board members. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? What's the responsibility that goes right. with that? Yeah. So let's talk about board governance. For sure. That's a huge, it's a huge responsibility. It is because it's, uh, you can, you can do that well, or you can just be a name on the letterhead and, and really be a disservice to not only the board and the, and the organization, but to the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So let's also talk about um, board failure and success. Mm-hmm. Okay. The and good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the bad, and the <laughs> ugly. Hopefully not too much on the ugly. Mostly good. <laughs> All right. Are there any other topics that we want to touch on in the show? I think you've got a pretty good list there. There may be a few things that pop up as we as we start talking. Um. You know, I work with and have the privilege of working with a lot of boards. I'm in and out of board meetings literally every week, not just in this community, but all over Florida and and the Southeast. And I've been in good board meetings. I've seen high-performing boards, and I've seen low-performing boards. And a lot of those um, telltale signs and characteristics are are pretty easy to spot and pretty consistent across that so we can talk some about that as good well. i think that'll be important yeah. experience, experience of what's happened in the past is a good indicator of what's going to happen in the future also mm-hmm. uh, so i think that's a great tool to teach people and to consult with people so that's uh that's awesome to have that in your tool belt uh for those that are listening on apple podcast uh go to go to our youtube channel leave us some notes and comments there we also have uh, show notes there so you can pick up information about Alice Lee Stansberry, her consulting uh, company, and what we talk about today. So go check that out, uh, subscribe to the channel, and you'll be notified as we drop future videos on YouTube as well. Same for Apple Podcasts. So with that being said, Alice Lee, let's tell John to kick off the show recording with a little bit of music, and we'll get it started. Okay, sounds good. Let's go. Welcome to the Business Matters Talk Show with Charles Musgrove. On Business Matters, we discuss the issues that matter to your business. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and BeanTeam.com. 
And now here's your host, Charles Musgrove. Good morning. I am Charles Musgrove, and welcome back for another exciting session of Business Matters. I am your host with Bean Team. Check us out on beanteam.com. Go to YouTube channel. Look for Bean Team. We have all of our past shows there. We leave show notes in the YouTube channel as well, so leave us a comment. Check us out for more detailed information about the show and about our guest. Guess what? Today we have another exciting show. We have Alice Lee Stansberry. Alice Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. It's All a pleasure. Right. It's going to be a great show. Alice Lee brings some knowledge today about the nonprofit sector. She is an expert. She has spent her entire career in the nonprofit sector, so she brings some legitimate credible experience <laughs> we're going to talk about some good examples of what to do what not to do uh absolutely i think it's going to be a great show so thank you so much alice lee well, for joining us I, I really appreciate you asking i think it's a great topic i think the nonprofit sector is so important to this community and to every community and by and large the people serving on boards are people from the the business community so they are it's and it's um as we were talking before the show mm-hmm. the the nonprofits are they're an important fabric in any community and i know here in tallahassee that's that's especially important at least so I feel. Oh my gosh, we're 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 really blessed. I think we've got a lot. I mean, I'm sure there's concerns. We have too many nonprofits. I've certainly heard that, but we also have um, a, a critical uh, number of organizations that I don't think people in Tallahassee or the Big Bend area can imagine having this community without them being here. I, I you think know, you're right. Big Bend Hospice and uh, uh, organizations working in, in healthcare, United Way, uh, as well as arts and culture organizations, the Tallahassee Symphony, the Tallahassee Ballet, um, the, the, Riley, the Riley House and Riley Museum. I mean, educational organizations, uh, animal welfare organizations, environmental organizations. I mean, it just goes on and on. And for the most part, I don't think Tallahassians could really imagine Tallahassee without those organizations doing their good work. I agree. It's, it is, it's what helps make Tallahassee special and mm-hmm. unique. It, mm-hmm. it is really, you know, when you were listing those out, it's really hard to imagine Tallahassee without those organizations. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, you say that about Tallahassee, but if you go to another community, they, they probably have the same story. It really tells you how important the nonprofit sector is in any community. Yeah. We, we really think it's special in Tallahassee, and, and <laughs> you and I believe that. So, right. So it's, uh, it, I think it really, it. I want to say also thank you to those people that are that are members, that are staff of those organizations, and the volunteers that help those organizations function as they do. It's mm-hmm. it's without those volunteers, without the board members, without the even the paid staff that work in those organizations. It's really. Uh, it's a labor of love. Well, you got to have it all. You got to have a professional staff, and I think we're fortunate that a lot of our organizations are, are led by those professional staff members, a high-performing, dedicated, uh, hands-on board, as well as a cadre of volunteers. Because no matter how many staff you have, there's always more to do, and so many nonprofits rely on volunteers to to provide services and also to provide extra services that wouldn't be possible without people who volunteer their time. So the combination of that is is how it works. It really is. And, um, you know, I, there's probably a few people that don't know your story. Uh, many people read your what you contribute in the Tallahassee Democrat probably mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. So we appreciate that that contribution and those, those articles that, that are out there. Tell us a little bit more about your history in the nonprofit industry. Okay. Well, first I'll say it's a pleasure to, to work on that column and to co-write those columns with Kelly Audie, my 
column writing partner in crime. Uh, my work in, in nonprofits has been going on over 30 years, and I started out in the trenches actually working for a nonprofit, primarily in the fundraising arena, which is not everybody's favorite thing to do, but something that once I started, I just fell in love with. You know, I'm connecting uh, people who care with causes that matter, and um, I just uh, really well, became... That, you know, that's really good you said that, because... <laughs> That is, that's tough to ask people for money all the time. So for you to you to make that connection that you're putting people that want to give money to the causes that they support, that's what it's about. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I will, I'm the first to say it can be difficult to ask for money. Uh, it can be intimidating to ask for money. But my experience has also been it's the most rewarding work I've ever done. And if you've done your job well, you're not asking somebody who doesn't know anything about your organization and you're not, it's not about begging or arm twisting. It's about inviting someone to invest in a cause that they care about. And so you're the, you're the connector. Yeah, I think that's, you're the connector. That's a, that's a special way to look at it. And thank you for doing that because (laughs) it is uh, as hard as, as hard as that is, that's a, that's a vital cog in making it all work. It's got to happen. Most nonprofits, uh, rely to some degree, some larger, some smaller, on philanthropy and charitable giving uh, to make make their services possible. So, after years and years of being in the trenches, working as a fundraiser and whatnot, uh, then I moved to working with donors. I had an opportunity to work with the Community Foundation of North Florida, another super valuable nonprofit in our community, and got a chance to work with with individuals that wanted to set up charitable funds as well as helping nonprofits with their endowment funds and. And um, that was a great experience after so many years of being on the asking side of philanthropy. Now I got a chance to work on the giving, the giver, yeah, that's, that is, the giver uh, side of philanthropy. <laughs> that, that's a special opportunity that you're able to yeah. con, con make the circle. Right. So I got a great experience with that, um, working with um, funders and individuals and uh, learning about uh, one thing I find out I found out is there's a, it's just as much going on behind the scenes on the giving side as there is after 20 plus years on the asking side uh, and then after that I took the plunge and decided I was ready to do some some teaching and consulting and I've been doing that almost 14 years now that's a long time that is a long time <laughs> but as we said in the pre-show I think you uh, you started this your career Although it was 30 years ago, you were only five years old when you started. I appreciate you saying that. (laughs) So that is, uh, you've been at it for for most of your life. So Uh we appreciate what you do in the community. And thank you again for joining us on the show. This is, uh, I think this is going to be meaningful for those listening uh, because so many are involved in nonprofits. So Mm -hmm. let's let's jump into uh, what does it take to be on a board? So what's required of, of being a board member? I think the very first two things that immediately come to my mind, number one is interest, that you have a real personal interest in the cause or the mission, and the second one is time. You know, you may love a cause, you may love an organization, you may want to help, but if you don't have the time that's really required uh, to be a board member, being a board member is more than being a volunteer and a donor and an occasional supporter. It's, It's a big time commitment and if you're really if you're really doing the job of a high performing board member you've got you're putting in some time you're putting in a lot of time so i'm always surprised when i see 
see people that are serving on four, five, six, seven, however many boards, because my my experience has taught me, let's say there's seven on seven, my experience has taught me there's probably one or two that they're really all in. There's probably uh, two or three that they kind, they're kind of in the middle of the road. They need reminding. They miss a few meetings. They do most of what they're supposed to do. And then there's two that they're the board members nobody ever sees and wouldn't recognize if they walked in the door right. at the board meeting. So it's better, you know, to really make those those decisions carefully and make sure that, number one, you're passionate about the mission and the cause, and number two, you have the time to give. So if, you, if you're passionate, you have an interest, and you have the time to give, what what would if you're an executive director or if you're the if you're the person kind of outlining the responsibilities of a board member what are some of the responsibilities that that you would expect as serving as a board member yeah well first that you would make a personal contribution to the organization that you're going to put your money where your mouth is that mm-hmm. i always say to people you want to be um you got to be buying whatever it is you're selling, right. and part of your job uh, as a board member is to be an, a community advocate and an ambassador, and part of that is to uh, invite people to get involved or to deepen their relationship and to ask for gifts. So I think you got to be a donor first and foremost before you ask people to, to join you in that effort. Uh, you've got to attend board meetings, <laughs> and some boards meet monthly, some every other month, some quarterly, but being there is is huge. I mean, the real... The, the real value of having all these great people that you've recruited from throughout the community to have all that expertise is that when they're in the room talking to each other. Right. <laughs> you know, one, that's one group discussion. Right. That's where the magic happens. Right. That's where the magic happens when someone like you, Charles, that has that that financial background and accounting background, somebody else that's good at real estate and somebody else that that um, is a subject matter expert for whatever it is your organization does. And then you've got younger people and older people and men and women and just a variety of folks all coming together around that mission. The, the magic is when they're in the room talking to each other, and that's what happens at the board meeting. And it isn't replicated any other way or any other place. So uh, making time to be at the board meetings, you know, understanding the budget, understanding the financials. I know I'm singing your song yeah. on that. Uh, too often board members, uh, and I've heard board members say, oh, you know, Charles, he's our, he's our treasurer. He's got this. As long as it's good with him, as long as it makes sense to him, and he tells me everything's fine, then I'm fine with it. And the reality is every board member is equally responsible for that financial statement. And yeah, not just the CPA or the auditor or the executive director or the treasurer. So that's a big one. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because it's, it's uh, a big one. Being a CPA, when I'm on a board, it, I'll, I always feel like the the other board members are looking at the accounting person that's on the board to give them all the answers about mm-hmm. the accounting information. I think that's that's vitally important to have that representation on the board that you do have experience certified qualified yes. accountant CPAs on the board but it's it's equally as important that all of those board members understand the impact of the financial decisions that are made because it's uh I know this sounds really I'm this is probably a sounds biased that the importance of financials but the organization doesn't continue without money it's critical that's right no no money no mission yeah no money, no mission. You run the organization, no matter what it is. It, just like any business, it runs on money. Right. And I've just seen too many organizations find themselves in distress because either uh, not enough board members were paying attention, maybe they didn't 
know what to look for. You know, they didn't recognize what some of the the red flags might be, or they were just deferring to to, the, to that one person, and maybe that one person wasn't as knowledgeable as they needed to do so needed to be. So, it's it's really critical. And you know, the other one that I would add to this list is planning. You know, the, the job of a board member and the board of, as a whole is is to determine the vision and mission of the organization and then the plan for how you're going to implement it. Right. And so every board member, you know, needs to contribute to what's our strategic plan? What What's our roadmap? We know who we are and what we do and, and what we want to accomplish. How are we going to get there? Yeah. What are our priorities going to be? So that's a big one for it is. boards. And there's, there's really a uh, – I look at it as that board is – just like a board in a for-profit organization, too, they're holding the mm-hmm. staff, they're holding the the people executing the plan, they're holding them accountable. Right. So come back to me and tell me how how you've executed on the plan that we've all agreed upon. Mm-hmm. And part of that's financial. Part of it is is just the mission. Are are you? accomplishing the objectives of the mission of the organization. Right. And it's a partnership. I mean, the board has its role to play, particularly around adequate finances and um, visibility and engagement and fundraising and support. And then obviously your staff led by your executive director or CEO that are running the day-to-day operations, hiring and firing the staff. And uh, it's a partnership. And you, that responsibility of hiring firing evaluating and supporting that chief executive just like in any business is 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 critical it is critical tell tell me about the training or what's the recommended um, mm. indoctrination if you will of a <laughs> new board member so what what's the training to so that the group understands what how right. they sh- what what are their responsibilities and then you have incoming members as well that they should be educated or yeah, some no, type a, of training? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, high-performing boards make sure that there's some kind of board orientation for all new incoming board members where they get some kind of little notebook, you know, and they get an overview um, where they're understanding here the bylaws, articles incorporation, the budget, the audit, uh, an overview of, of programs and services, as well as a calendar of board meetings and, and those kinds of things. But that orientation is really their first uh, deep dive, if you will, into um, how the organization actually operates, how it's funded. I think the mistake that some organizations make, though, is they kind of think that one orientation for an hour or two or three hours when they first join the board is is enough. And I know I see this in my work a lot, where I know it isn't. I mean, that's the first step. But then beyond that, you've got to continue to educate board members um, about about the organization and depending on the size and scale and scope of the organization, it can take some time to really become fully versed. Yeah, I can see that it takes time for that. Mm-hmm. And it's also your the board composition really is, it's like the, the composition of, of your executive team. You have people on that board that have different strengths. Right. Some may be very technical. Some may be more visible and able to fundraise or bring donors in easily, mm-hmm. more easily than the technical people. So your your board really has to be well-rounded, I would think, so that you have all of right. those, uh, the functions and the components yeah. covered. You need You need a pretty diverse group of people with a lot of different skills and talents. 
Absolutely. Folks that are good at the strategic planning, that are you know thinking at the 30,000 foot level, which is right. a big part of the board's job, but also being practical about uh, where the organization is and, and what its um, greatest assets are and what it is, you know, how it's doing in terms of visibility and awareness and, of course, fundraising and, and program delivery. So what is the we didn't I don't think we mentioned this. What is the is there a magic number? <laughs> a good question. Yeah. How, uh, how many board members is the right number? I get asked that question a lot. And uh, I think the industry really says there is no magic number. So if you go to board source or others like that, uh, they'll say there is no magic number. What I will say is that the trend in boards is definitely smaller. The idea that um, you have a fewer number of people so that you can get quorum, so that you can have everybody together to make decisions. It also comes, though, with a higher level of accountability. Right. If you've got, you know, I'd say the average number of board, uh, average number of board members is probably 15 to 16. So if you've only got 12, you know, that's that's a lot of work for 12 people. If you've got 25, sometimes it can be, re- or more, it can be really hard to... Um, have the same group of people in the room, board meeting after board meeting. And keeping, I will speak (laughs) for executive directors, it's really hard to keep 25 people in the know, up to date, and engaged. So that's another reason for that that smaller, kind of a little more lean and mean operating board. But every organization is different, and I've worked with clients and organizations that have bigger boards and smaller boards. But my my recommendation, and I think the the best practice is, if you had to choose, would be smaller rather than larger. Is there a rule of thumb on the requirement for how active the board is? For instance, setting the the compensation compensation level for the executive team. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that is that something that's standard that they're involved to that level, or is that really kind of the? I would say that that that's handled differently in in a lot of different organizations, particularly ones that I've worked for and worked with. Typically, I would say the compensation issue usually gets addressed by the executive committee of the board, but I do think it should be. I mean, obviously, it's in the budget, mm-hmm. and so um, all board members would be would be privy to that information if the board's going to make a decision that they want to recruit let's say they're hiring a new executive director and they want to recruit someone um, with a, an, a, a higher level experience or a new skill set or something that could move the organization to a new level and they want to uh, add funds and beef up that salary I mean that would definitely be a, a board discussion because it would impact impact the budget right so usually that's a uh a subset of the board. So you have an executive committee of the board. Typically. And I know some boards that they, if they are filling that position, they'll actually uh, put together a, you know, a a hiring or a search committee. And Mm -hmm. the search committee, you know, kind of spearheads that effort. But ultimately, whatever compensation package, salary and benefits and whatnot that you're offering is included in the overall budget, which would mean every board member would They've would, at least would, approved would have, in total. Right, would have an understanding of 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 what that cost is and, and what you've done to help attract right. and keep uh, a high-performing executive director. Good. Yeah, that's uh, that always gets touchier. That's, that can be a sensitive area, and you have the, the executive director is working closely with the board, so there's a 
you know, you don't want to have a meddling board, but you want to have a <laughs> an oversight board that that kind of right. lays the ground rules and they ha- hold they have an accountability feature that they hold the the staff and the executive director accountable for what the plan is. Sure. Sure. And I'll chime in and say that I think, you know, I encourage boards to not shy away from paying a competitive salary for that person. I mean, if you're running a, you know, two, three, four million dollar nonprofit, that's a two, three, four million dollar business. And so paying to get someone who has the knowledge and experience and background and professional expertise to do that, uh, it will serve your organization well. Hiring, hiring that person with that experience that you need and compensating them um, so that they, they take the job and they stay in the job. They, they stay and they do a great job. Yeah, Otherwise, they do I a mean, great job. you should pay a competitive salary for that. It, it shouldn't, you should not expect your executive director to work and on a discounted rate. Absolutely not. So I, I think that that is, those are some very important notes related to the relationship between the executive executive director and the board. Mm-hmm. What what um, responsibility level is pushed down to the executive director? But typically they're going to be responsible for running the day to day activity, and there's right. certain things that are approved uh, by the board members. Right. I know you've got a tremendous amount of experience, and you've seen a lot of successful boards and boards that may not have been as successful I, <laughs> they, I they to, aspire to be successful how about that <laughs> I, I like that i don't I, I don't want to use the word failure although i've written failure down on my on the notes on the mm-hmm. whiteboard that i'm going to show for for uh on youtube so let's start with the successes okay tell us about some of the the successes and why were they successful? Why was the board successful? Well, I think it goes back to having the right people at the table uh, that have that commitment, that have that have made the time, you know, to be there, that have a great working relationship with their executive, whoever that that person is. Um, they they know and understand the budget, you know, all the things we've talked about. They they understand what they're there to do, and um, they put the time in. Uh, to, to do it and they take that responsibility serious they're committed to planning they're committed to evaluating success because you know how do we know that we've accomplished what we said yeah, we were going to do exactly and, right if you're not measuring it and holding people right. accountable then you don't know well you and you're holding yourselves as board members accountable you're holding um the organization accountable to the donors and the funding partners that you have so um Doing that annual self, doing a, an annual self assessment as a board is also a key responsibility. I didn't mention that earlier, but uh, in addition to the board evaluating that chief executive, the board should be s- assessing its own performance. How are we doing? Are we, are we getting quorum every meeting, or is it a struggle? Are we doing all the things that we're responsible for? Is every board member a donor? Those kinds of criteria. So that's another, I think, um, a- another activity that I see successful, high-performing boards doing on a regular basis. Do you recommend having that, evaluating that board on an annual basis, or even more frequent, and removing members, removing board members that are not active, or that for some, for whatever the reason is, whatever the measurement is, they're mm-hmm. not, they're not not making the grade. Do you <laughs> do you recommend that those that there's a process to evaluate that and then? remove those board members yes and i think the key word in what you just said is process you know that if everybody's agreed that this 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 is what it means to be on this board these are the responsibilities of serving on the board of this organization you've made it clear from the start before they are even invited you know to serve or asked to serve that they understood how many meetings and what kind of participation and possibly committee service and giving and all the things and they just aren't able to to meet that obligation because they 
hopefully signed that letter, that that kind of overall responsibility. They understand uh, that gives the board chair or the governance committee chair, depending on how you do it, the opportunity to go back to that board member and say, you know, it looks like that this is not a good time for you to serve or that it's been a challenge for you to participate kind of at the level that we had hoped uh, and give them, you know, hopefully an opportunity to, to graciously bow out. But I, I do think there are times you have to bless and release. Yeah. I, th- <laughs> I think one of the, what you mentioned there is, is very important. And it makes it so much easier. It's like any other re- business relationship that you enter into, whether mm-hmm. it's a contract, whether it's an employment agreement, whether no matter what that is, if you know the terms of it, initially and you know what to expect and then and then when it comes time to make a change it's easier to do that and it's not that you're springing the new set of rules on somebody at the end i agree and and i think i mean i've been in many experiences where the board member who really wasn't able to participate was really in that kind of low performing group of the board when they're approached particularly when they're approached uh well and personally and individually and thoughtfully uh they're relieved (laughs) Yes, <laughs> you know, because they know they're not able to really participate in the way that the organization needs, right? And that they had hoped to do. So. Yeah, I think even with uh, employment, can be the same way. A lot yes. of times, people are relieved to know, okay, you're making the decision for me. Let's move on. <laughs> right, Alice Lee, Alice Lee Stansbury. Thank you so much for <laughs> my, joining us. My pleasure. We have uh, we've delved into the nonprofit sector today, and I believe we've we've really provided some knowledge nuggets about board governance what people should and should not do what to expect to be a board member yes and i really want to say the importance of the nonprofit sector in the tallahassee community and any community it's vitally important it's needed and we appreciate those that work in it and serve the community couldn't agree more thanks again thank you so much i am charles musgrove host of business matters with bean team you are listening to Real Talk 93.3. We come on every Sunday morning at 1130. Check us out on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, beanteam.com. Thank you so much. Have a blessed day, a great week, and see you next week. Peace. <laughs> the Business Matters Talk Show with Charles Musgrove is sponsored by The Bean Team. For all your business accounting and tax preparation needs, visit beanteam.com or call 893-7710. You can listen to more episodes of Business Matters on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or visit beanteam.com.